What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? I'm Zach Abbott, and with me, as usual, is Eric Thurston. Yeah. Uh, we're recording two episodes at once, so I'm still sick. This episode is going to be a little different than usual because we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies. Yes. Uh, this episode is dropping on, appropriately, Christmas Eve. Yep. And so uh, we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies, why we love them, and uh, what really got us into them to begin with. And then I'm also going to talk about why there hasn't been a good Christmas movie in over 15 years. Okay, we're going to have an argument right now. You just want to get this out of the way? 2003. Well, okay, no, fair enough. Yeah. 2003 was 15 years ago. Exactly. That's when Elf dropped. Yep. There hasn't been a good one since. So, uh, let's just let's just kick it off. Let's just let's just get right into yeah. it. Eric, what is uh, ding, wh- ding. what is Let one of your begin. favorite Christmas movies? Well, I mentioned Elf. Elf is a staple has been a staple in our house for 15 years. We we as soon as Thanksgiving hits, we start watching and we probably watch it anywhere from 5 to 8 times wow. between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's a lot. I mean, it's just, it's what we do. It's your favorite. Yeah. yeah. Smiling's my Smiling favorite. It's your favorite. <laughs> what what brings, like, why is Elf such a big part of your Christmas life? Okay, so we're, it's hilarious. So there's, it's it's lighthearted, it's fun, um, it's funny. So it's enjoyable, mindless entertainment. So, and it's seasonal. So those things all fit together. Okay. So I like it maybe a little bit more than the average person. Yes, I have the elf outfit. (laughs) Everything except for the curly hair wig. So if you have a line on a curly hair wig and you want to send it to me, hit us up on the email or tweet at me. I would love to get that to complete. And yes, I did even run around downtown Round Rock last year when it snowed in my elf costume. And my daughters were like, we're going to go to that coffee shop and don't come anywhere near us. Is, is there pictures? I don't know if there's pictures. Okay. Well, we got to get you in the elf outfit. And, uh, I'll and do it. post it to the Instagram. I'll, I'll totally do it. Okay. And it was funny because I ran in the coffee shop and I'm like, congratulations, everyone. Oh, World's no. best cup of... And my daughters just face palm. <laughs> oh. Wow. And I was at the wind, you know, yeah. it was funny. Anyway, um, so yeah, Elf is this kind of a, a staple. It's a tradition in our house. What do you love about it? Um, I think what really gets me is the nod to nostalgia. There's the the way that it was filmed. John Favreau did an amazing job with this because he grew up watching the original claymation, you know, the Rudolph, the Frosty, the Santa is coming to town. Um, which is, you know, the winter warlock. And I can totally bust out into song right now. Like, put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking across the floor. I'm not going to quit my day job, don't worry. No. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which just triggered another Christmas movie that's not even on our list, which is Coming to America. You could say... You could say that's kind of Christmassy. Anyway, yeah. we're, that's all we're going to say about that. But I think it's the nods. So um, the snowman in Elf is a nod back to Burl Ives' character from from Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of the narrator. So a lot of these claymation old school movies that were that were done 50, 60 years ago, he was the narrator and he would kind of narrate the story. And it was... You know, and it's done in that kind of vein, you know. And some of the 
like the Arctic Puffin and the Norwal, even though they're not characters in these other movies, the, the claymation style mm-hmm. is there and it's a nod to like the misfits, you know, the island of uh, misfit, misfit toys, toys right. you know. So I think that's for me growing up, those movies were like that's what we watched. Those were staples on the TV and in my grandparents' house. And, you know, it was just you knew they would release just, you know, right after Thanksgiving, Christmas is ramping up, and you, almost every week you would be able to see, you know, Rudolph, Frosty, and the whole right. Santa's coming to town with Bing Crosby and that type of thing. So, so yeah, I think that's why I like it so much. And it's part of our family tradition. Right. We don't have a lot of traditions. My wife, like, she beats me up over that all the time. I was, a, I was an only child. Mm-hmm. And... You know, German and Norwegian, so not a whole lot of yeah. yeah. It's not there's not a lot of affection, and you know, and my wife's Filipino, and she's number seven out of eight, and it's it's just uh, you know, it's a very they've got a lot of traditions, and there's a lot of things that they you know, and so she's always on my case. Like we need, I'm like we do, we have Elf, we have have one, we have a movie. Yeah, that's funny though. Yeah, I you know uh, we we joke about you know getting into a fight about this elf. Um, it's not one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean it's not it's not a cinematic you know masterpiece. No, <laughs> I I don't know what it is, but you know I I mentioned this at the beginning, and there hasn't been. Look, I'll I'll, I'll admit, Elf is a it's a good Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I won't I won't say that it's not. Um, it just doesn't, for some reason, it just doesn't strike me the same way as some of the other, the other classic, you know, Christmas story. And well, I just don't think you have an affinity for elf culture. <laughs> Man, I love Lord of the Rings. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but yeah, earlier I said, you know, there hasn't been a good Christmas movie in 15 years, mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is. I don't know why the 80s and 90s, and I'll even consider Elf a 90s movie because it's it's 2003. Yeah, um, it's close enough. It's still that same style. You know, the 2000s hadn't really come around in the way that you remember them, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me why there hasn't been a big hit, a big. Christmas movie in the last 10 to 15 years um, that's as memorable as these. I mean, I know Netflix just tried it with the Christmas Chronicles, but there's no way anybody's going to tell me that, that. Which I saw the whole thing and you didn't. No, I know. And we talked about it two weeks yeah. ago, but you, it, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I, I don't care if I saw half of it or not. It doesn't. I, I can already tell you that because I saw half of it and then shut it off, it's not going to be a classic Christmas movie. Oh, no. No, I'm not arguing for that at all. Yeah. No. So I, completely I just don't, I don't know why nobody's landed a Christmas movie in so long. Um, you know, th- there's been these terrible, like family, um, fight Christmas movies, you know, like Christmas right. with the cranks and four Christmases and, right. and none of them, they're, they all like try and be in the Christmas a, a, calendar. Yeah. Or whatever. Christmas yeah. Prince or whatever. Yeah. I, I just don't even care. And I don't know why, but the eighties and nineties and, and then even the, yeah, the claymation, you know, stop motion stuff. Obviously those are, yeah, staples. Why hasn't anybody made a Christmas movie in 10, 15 years? That's timeless. I don't get it. I don't know. Do you have, do you have any idea? Like what, what, what makes a Christmas movie timeless is it's gotta be the nostalgia factor, right? Being able to 
play off of that nostalgia while still creating something new. Right. Um, which I think Elf does. Putting you know? a new spin on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, making you feel a certain way. Right. Um, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't want people arguing at the kitchen table and stuff for 45 minutes in a Christmas no. movie. It just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, you want you, know, you weren't warm and fuzzy. Yeah, you want warm and fuzzy and weird hijinks and, yeah. and stuff that wouldn't happen at any other time of the year. I mean, if you're gonna spread Christmas cheer, you need to sing loud for all to hear. <laughs> Movie tickets for for the number of references that you can. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we can't hand out that many. Um, yeah, I think I think Elf does it. Um, it's not one of my favorites, like I said, but Elf is the last movie the last Christmas movie, I think to become a timeless Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and to your point, I think the reason why it's able to do that is because it's pulling from the nostalgia of the original claymation stories. Mm-hmm. Not that it's following in line cause it's definitely a new vibe, but those elements being in there, I think is what, what draws that, that nostalgia, that, that hook for people. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, another one that, you know, from my list that I always think of as soon as the, as, as soon as Christmas runs around is home alone. A hundred percent. Um, for some reason, nothing, nothing really says Christmas to me, like John Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's because there's so much winter settings in his movies. Cause he's, you know, Chicago. Right. And most of them, um, if not all of them and you know, r- rest in peace, John Hughes, but Something about those movies just always puts you in a mood for Christmas. It's the way they're shot, the way the mm-hmm. set de- decorations are. I don't know why. And you want to talk about hijinks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, hi- the biggest hijink yeah. movie ever. <laughs> maybe that's why we associate, you know, good Christmas movies with hijinks and just, uh, uh, you know, out of this world moments, you know, because this and then another one that I will talk about is in a, a Christmas vacation and like that movie's full of hijinks as well. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff that would only happen when you're trying to hang up 30,000 Christmas lights on your house. And <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but, but getting back to home alone, you know, um, Macaulay Culkin's first big, big movie. And um, probably, and, and I know I might get some flack for this, you know, if somebody's thinking about, um, the kid from Sixth sense who did a fantastic job, but probably one of the best kid actors ever. Yeah, I think so. And I'm going out, out on a limb. It's a pretty big statement, but I mean, he was just present. Yeah. At his age, just to be in it and present and being able to take good direction and and I'm sure improvise to, you know, in his in his way. I mean, he was it was just it was an instant classic. Yeah. He I don't know if that would have been as successful if that kid actor was you know as what was more i don't know you know flat you mm-hmm. know acting wise uh macaulay culkin really really sells that movie um especially since it's you know it's 50 percent just him in a house mm-hmm. uh with no other actors to interact with until right. you know basically the end of the movie um so you're with him the whole time as he's just doing stuff and watching movies and um, you know, I think he's better in the first one than the second one. Yeah. Agreed. But the first one's just, it's immediately a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, every time we hit December 1st or, you know, even, you know, Black Friday, I'm like, okay, home alone. Like it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, it's so quick 
and smart and shot selections are so interesting to kind of like keep the you're you're discovering the traps as the burglars are discovering the traps. Yeah, which is great. Um, there's camera movements in this. They're always just so clever, um, revealing moments. Um, yeah, I, I think Home Alone is a great, great camera movement movie. Um, you know, going from like the doorknob up to the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then you see uh, not Marv, but the other guy, Joe Pesci's character, get his you know his, his head gets on lit on fire, and <laughs> yeah, I, there's so much about this that I love. I wonder um, if Elon Musk got his inspiration yeah, from the flamethrower. It's possible. Gosh, boring company. <laughs> But don't buy this. Yeah. And then even like the, you know, having the kid act, the kid's character, you know, Macaulay Culkin's character, Kevin McAllister is, he's, he seems like he's older than he is. You know, he's, he's able to go into town and and Mm -hmm. accidentally steal some, some gum. And uh, and then he goes into, um, you know, the church and he meets the old next door neighbor. And then they have kind of a moment there. And I really love that moment. I think it's a great, thing where you know he's there his the the old guy's uh granddaughter is you know singing on the choir and he's like you know i haven't seen her in you know four years or something like that and Mm -hmm. it's a really good character moment there that i think um it's stuff like that where john hughes really shines nails it Um, totally nails it where anybody else would have just had the hijinks keep going but he they they let it slow down for a minute um, you're able to connect with that older character so that when that older character shows up, sorry, spoilers for Home Alone 1 from 1990, <laughs> and when the older character, older neighbor shows up and saves Kevin uh, with the snow shovel, you kind of root for it. You're like, yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. this actor, this character is awesome. You know, and you're connected to that character. And there's a lot of little moments like that that I think, you know, maybe the average person you subconsciously you notice it, but you you know you don't immediately immediately understand what's happening. But yeah, and then of course the the crazy hijinks and the snow and the Christmas lights and the music and the music is so good. Um, I think it's John Williams. I think it is. But um, and man, it's just it's great. So nothing nothing really puts me in the Christmas mood like turning on Home Alone mm-hmm. immediately um, as soon as it's time, and uh, it's just fun, you know. And then the 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 movie that he watches the black and white movie that he watches i didn't realize until recently that they actually it's not a real movie they actually filmed it for this movie so that it would work exactly with what they needed in the script and uh but it looks great like it looks like an actual you know old 30s or 40s black and white movie and yeah it's really awesome so um home alone is a classic i I don't think I can go through December without seeing it. And um, I think it's a really great technical movie in a lot of ways too. So yeah. Top five. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I'm not it's yeah. because it is, it's fun. Um, uh, Macaulay Culkin's character. I mean, he just, he's witty on an adult level in this, right. which I attribute to three things, his acting, John's direction and and the writing. Well, Chris Chris Christopher Columbus directed yeah. it and John wrote it. Yes, right. Yeah, got that. Sorry. Yeah, got, yeah. You know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, reverse that. Yeah. Um, but just the those three elements coming together was what made this movie magic. Yeah, and you know we we brought it up 
a couple episodes ago, I think, where I, I talked about Home Alone 2 and I was watching it and it is almost a like complete rehash of the first one in a lot of ways, but I don't think it works the same. The one thing I do really love about Home Alone 2 um, is that it takes place in New York and I think that there's something kind of magical about that during Christmas time also. Oh yeah. Have you All been the in, lights have you been to and, New York during um, Christmas? In February. Yeah. So close. In the winter. Yeah. In the winter. So yeah, I mean that's that helps that that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But it's still not as good as the first one, I don't think. It isn't. And I think that's that's an interesting that's gonna be another episode, I think, is is that where when you when you create a, a great film that lands well, that does well at the box office that you have a great formula with the cast, with the writers, with the direction. Do do you do another one or do you not do another one and just leave it? Yeah, I mean, studios have to make money and writers want to make money. <laughs> and it's hard to say no to, you know, hey, I'll give, we'll give you $2 million to make another one. And that's probably what happened. Um, and they did it so quick. I mean, the turnaround was really quick, two years um, before the, the, the second one came out after the first one. And yeah, I, I, they, they could have slowed it down a little bit, but I'm sure the studio, you know, was just like, no, we, we need it out. We need it out. We need it out. We need it out. But, um, right. I mean, and I think that that's, there's something to be said for when you do something and you do it well and you have something that's amazing and you don't do a sequel. Yeah. You're like, and we're not building a franchise here. Right. This is just a great standalone and we're going to leave it alone so that it keeps its integrity. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's a note that a lot of probably your, like your, your big name directors, um, like to stick to, uh, you don't see a whole lot of sequels from, I mean, uh, I'm going to say one that had three sequels, which is Christopher Nolan, but, um, the Batman movies, they don't really, I don't think they can be counted in the same way, you know, as, uh, the rest, of, rest of his films were right. You know, Cause inception didn't have a sequel, right. Interstellar, not going to have a sequel home alone. Absolutely. Top five. for, for those reasons, I think going back to nostalgia, I mean, nostalgia, I mean, Christmas is a big part of our culture um, that quite honestly goes beyond, it goes beyond our culture to, you know, as far as the meaning of Christmas. But it does, it does span kind of our, you know, you, the, our country is a, is a country of all kinds of different cultures. It's a big melting pot of all these different places, yeah, yeah. but, but, but Christmas kind of overshadows all those different cultures in our country. And I think that one of the things that really gets me personally is the stop motion, the claymation Christmas stories, Rudolph, Frosty, Santa's coming to town. Those, I know I mentioned it earlier with Elf, but there was nothing for me as a kid 40 years ago, 45 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um because it started when I was probably four or five years old. So that gives... Um, but when those movies started showing, or, you know, and those were for TV. Yeah. So you're, CBS you're, wa- whatever, yeah, yeah. you're watching them on TV. And when they came on, you would get one one a week leading up between Thanksgiving to to Christmas. And when those came on, it was just the excitement of, of you know, the whole season. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trees going up, you know, the the... The lights are going on the tree. The decorations are coming out. You know, 
Um, grandma's making different meals during that time, you know, getting yeah, you have a lot of senses going off. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting the, um, the apple cider, you know, with the cloves in it and just the aroma that's permeating throughout the house, you know, and the, it, there's just a, a feeling of the years coming to an end, but you know, there's a new year that's just around the corner. This big celebration is happening. You know, we're, we're having family and friends that you haven't seen all year that are coming and this and that. Of course, being an only child, it was pretty small in my house. <laughs> right. Um, and so, yeah, a, a little bit spoiled in that regard because most of the Christmas presents under the tree had my name on it. Right. Yep. But beyond that, those the messages that those those films portrayed, right? Like, what's the you know, like just because you're different, if you're you're Hermie the dentist, right. that um, you know the elf doesn't want to build toys, you know, and he gets ostracized because you want to be a dentist. Like, who wants that? Nobody wants to be a dentist. But just going through those life lessons and 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 so. <laughs> Now, I've just learned this, like, this week, that apparently there's a whole group of people that are offended at Rudolph because it's there's this bullying thing that happens, right? I mean, uh, well, Rudolph gets bullied because of his red nose, And then right? all of a sudden, they're cool with it. Well, it wasn't all of a sudden. It took it took him leading Santa's, like, needing to be fog so mm. that, you know, he's got a, a light to light the way, you know, the whole thing. But people... F- that are offended at Rudolph, like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? Really? Are you kidding me right now? Like, we're to that point. There's yeah. people that are seriously, I mean, the offense. People like, just get bored. Can you watch the entire movie, please? Watch all the way to the end. Yeah. Watch to the end and then see that, you know, he overcomes this bullying situation. Right. Which I think there's a, a lack of, um, I don't even know, grit a lack of gumption. I mean, I don't even know what the exact word is to to describe how, but I think that the nostalgia, not just for the sake of nostalgia, but I think the lessons that are taught in that, that are lifelong lessons that as a kid, you're watching because it's like this cool, you know, Christmas story, but you know, there's substance there. And, and you think that they made those 60 years ago. Yeah. A long time ago. And and how I mean it's it looks sixty years old yeah because the technology wasn't there but to think about the technology not being there and what they made in that stop motion was pretty cool yeah I'm like now we're getting into the technical aspect of it yeah which you know I was like man it would be cool to see some of that I mean well you have Kibo and the two strings which mm-hmm. was stop motion and that did really well and that was cool and it was a little more you know. Yeah, all the, all the Leica, Leica, Leica studio stuff that they've been doing. Yeah, um, Paranorma and uh, mm-hmm. yep. stuff stuff like that. Was uh, Coraline is another one, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so now obviously the technology, there's advancements and it's going to get better. But, I mean, those particular classics, they're classics. And why are they classics? Not just because they're old but because they had substance, because they were meaningful, and they transcend generations. Yeah. Um, the lessons transcend generations. The um, Yeah, I mean, I bought the box set, you know, the classics box set, which has six, six of those different. And some of the, there were some other ones that you would get too that, that were kind of more obscure, mm. like the little drummer boy. 
Oh, right, right. Yeah. That, now, for whatever reason, I don't know what was happening in my life at that time, but that happened to be, even though all the other ones were more popular, that one was my favorite. Hmm. And I think it's because of the, the lyric and the song and the meaning of, you know, the, the drummer boy. And if you're familiar with that song, you know where he talks about, it's like, I don't have a gift to bring. You know, he's just like this shepherd boy that plays the drum. And so, you know, all the magi or the kings are coming to, to worship and they're bringing the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh and whatever. And he's like, I don't have any of these fancy gifts. And as, as a five or six-year-old, you're like, you don't have anything. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't have anything to bring. Yeah, you related to it. Yeah. And so, and then he, you know, so instead he plays his drum for him, which that was all he had. And it was cool. And just... The point of that is being thinking outside of the box, number one, and being able to to bring something to you know to honor Jesus in that moment, you know, in the in his birth, which was I don't for whatever reason just really hit me. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, those I think those will always be timeless. Those those movies. I don't know why um, they're so easy to just like get into. Um, it might it might help that they're they're so short. Too, mm-hmm. you know, they're not they're not really long and yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, you connect with them, and they're they're stories with heart, and that you know that that doesn't ever get old. Right. So, um, the next movie that I have though is um, it's a movie that I grew up watching every year with my parents and uh, my dad especially, and my dad and I have a uh, a unique I don't know if it's a unique movie relationship, but you know, I would go to the, I would go to the movies with my mom, like every Monday, basically when I was in, in, in grade school. That's cool. And, uh, cause she would be off on Monday and we would go and watch whatever. And after school <clears throat> and then, um, man, my voice is really deep this episode. Mm. Sorry. Uh, still sick. So, um, but my dad and I, nobody's uh, mad at you yeah, right now. I know. <laughs> but my dad and I, we would watch, um, like Mel Brooks movies. Oh yeah. And Life of Brian. He, yeah, you know, I mean that's Life of Brian's Monty Python. Oh yeah. Duh. <laughs> but um, you know, Mel no. Brooks, um so young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. And, and Spaceballs. Spa- and, oh Spaceballs. So Spaceballs awesome. is one of my favorite movies. Of <laughs> We're all gonna time. have to talk about that. Yeah. There's um, a there's a spaceball episode coming. Yeah. Which I heard they're gonna do. Well, they've been talking about it. they've been threatening to do it for 30 years now. Yeah. I would love to see a sequel. Yeah, I would too. I mean, Mel Brooks is getting up there, so hopefully, hopefully they can do something, but, um, but a movie that we would watch in the house every year, um, around Christmas would be, um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. Um, Chevy Chase. I think it's probably Chevy Chase's best movie. I mean, a lot of people might say Fletch and, or any any other movie, but I think this movie has the most um, heart and range for yeah. him. Yep, um, I, I would agree with that. I always think of like him being just this this idiot, you know, this or or the 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 arrogant guy in Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. But then there's the scene in, in Christmas Vacation where he is locked in the attic, and he's wearing all of the like his grandma's. <laughs> 
old clothes that were up there because <laughs> yeah. he's cold and and then he pulls out the eight millimeter you know uh film reel and starts yep. watching old movies of his kids and yep um you know and he has kind of a moment i mean it's a it's a cheesy chevy chase moment but it's still it's it's there and there's a lot there's a lot more heart in the christmas vacation movie than there is in probably any of the other vacation movies right you know, yeah. european vacation especially is yeah really weird but um, I would agree. I would. I would 100% agree that Chevy Chase has a, a more dynamic range in this. Yeah. In this one. Usually he's like he's tripping over himself, or you know, yeah. he's, he's falling. A lot into of physical luck. comedy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Fletch especially. Like he's just you know, <laughs> Fletchy opens up his his wallet or whatever, and he's got the 30 different badges and and uh, Caddyshack. You know, similar thing where he's he's a bumbling idiot and. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bill Murray kind of, yeah. I mean, Bill Murray really steals Caddyshack. Oh yeah, yeah, he really does. But Christmas Vacation, there's something about it, you know. Every year when I'm putting up Christmas lights at my house, I <laughs> I think oh, is this gonna work, you know. Like when you plug it in, and I immediately think of that scene <laughs> right? like the where he's trying to figure out, yeah. <laughs> and then you know you look over and and it's you know uh, the the scene where he he finally gets them all on, and then it's like a it's like a spotlight is pushed onto the neighbor's uh, bedroom, you know, with, which, uh, it's, uh, Lu- uh, gosh, Dreyfus, um, Mary Louise, Mary Louise Dreyfus or Louis, Louis, Louis Marie Dreyfus, the, the girl from Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, she's in it, you know, and it just spotlights into their bedroom and blinds them and they can't see anything because there's so many Christmas lights and, or they can see everything. In right, the right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but I, you so know, much for my bedroom privacy. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's something about you know Chevy's character in this, and he you're you're rooting for him the whole time because he's kind of the underdog, and he just wants he just wants Christmas to be something special and fun, and he wants the whole family to be in on it, and I. I get that. I understand, you know, wanting the family to want to be a part of something and the kids want nothing to do with it. And the Mm -hmm. mom's like, you know, family's coming. I got to take care of that. I got to go shopping. And, um, he just wants Christmas to be perfect. They go and get the big tree that, you know, doesn't work. It doesn't fit in the house. They have to cut it in half. And then it just, they open it and it just shoots out the window. And then there's a squirrel in it. And, Oh gosh. Yeah. There's so many going back to the hijinks of Christmas movies, you know, it's it's another one of those that has hijinks. And, um, you know, I think that's a common, that's a common thread with, with classic Christmas movies, um, is hijinks. And I think something about the way that they do it and the setting that they're in of being Christmas time, that makes them like, it makes them warm. Something about Christmas movies that work for me, they're always, they always have a warm feeling to them Mm -hmm. of like wholesomeness, Mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um pranking your family members yeah or just <laughs> dealing with your family members right um you have to laugh to keep from crying <laughs> yeah yeah and, you know and you have you know your aunt and uncle taking over your bedroom and you know you have to sleep on the couch because of it and all that stuff and it's i don't know and and it, it doesn't hurt that i also have you know really fond memories of right watching it with my dad and that's cool um yeah there's a few of those that we we grew up like quoting nonstop and Christmas vacations one. And what's your favorite quote from Christmas vacation? Oh man. Um, Putting you on the spot right now. That's, and that's one of the things that I appreciate about elf. There's so many like tweetable quotes in in that. That, that, yeah, that's enough. I think we're really getting to it here. We're getting to 
Christmas movies or just maybe movies in general that work really well, or they have the quotable tweetable mm-hmm. in today's society moments that you don't forget easily. Right. They're moments that take 140 characters in your brain and they stick with you really, really well. Yep. Yeah. I think that nostalgia coupled with uh, meaning coupled with just the lightheartedness and the fun Okay, so my favorite my favorite quote is the monologue at the end, um, where where Chevy Chase is he's basically like yelling at the family, mm-hmm. but he's doing it in like a really calm manner, and he goes, uh, "Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full blown four alarm holiday together. emergency here. We're gonna press on, and we're gonna have this hap hap." Happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with oh, yeah. Danny Hinke. <laughs> and when awesome. Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, we're going to find the jolliest <laughs> bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. Wow. Oh, yeah, dude. That's probably one of the best cinematic it's really rants. Good. It's really oh, good. Oh, yeah. And his like kidnap boss that. is next yeah. to him. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, so anyways, uh, not entirely uh, appropriate. Which is a great segue to white christmas yeah, being crosby that's true being crosby Kay. that's my that's my other um probably top three yeah favorite christmas movies uh white christmas with being mm-hmm. crosby and danny k um this is one that i actually wasn't turned on to till later and that might have something to do with it my wife kind of turned me on to it so white christmas is definitely one on the list for sure and i think because you know burl ives kills the the stop motion, you know, the classic Rudolph, you know, and he's singing, you know, there's a lot of singing involved. There's a lot of song. Um, and um, Bing Crosby being an amazing singer for his time. I just, you, you can't, I can't hear his voice without immediately thinking of Christmas. Right. Yep. So. And White Christmas is one of my favorite Christmas songs. Yeah. And Bing Crosby's character is in um, Santa's Coming to Town. Right. So for, I mean, just that. Um, I mean, they, they do, you know, the, I forget what they call those guys, which I mean, Bing Crosby would be counted in that number, um, kind of alongside, not necessarily in the inner circle, but alongside the, um, the Rat Pack, mm-hmm. which is, uh, um, Sammy you know, Davis Sammy Jr., Davis Jr. Dean Martin, Sinatra. I mean, those, you know, that there's this, um, Oh, I mean, it's kind of old Hollywood vibe, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's just, you, you know, there's a, there's just this great appreciation for their talent and, right. and season. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of timeless. They are um, and timeless I think, for I think sure. Bing's voice especially is timeless. And um, something about this movie is just, um, you know, it's it, him and Danny and, uh, and these two, two um, women and uh, they get kind of like, snowed in to um it's like a lodge i guess but um and then there's a, like a bunch of musical numbers and 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 uh danny and, and being into doing kind of like a cross-dressing thing and it i don't know yeah it, it's um <laughs> it's such an old-fashioned movie that has so much kind of soul to it and heart and fun and wholesomeness that um, it makes you feel kind of warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, that that again, I mean, that, that's a common thread with all of these is that they're just so timeless. Um, yeah, and I think you know, 
for whatever, you know, I don't want to get too overtly, you know, um, I don't want to over spiritualize things or get religious or anything in that nature. But I think, you know, we talk about warm and fuzzy and what just resonates with the soul. And I think the, the fundamental message of Christmas is bringing hope, mm. right? It's, it's the hope that is, that, that God brings to, to the world. And, and I think there's an element of that hope that is brought through these, through these movies. Now, nobody's going to say, they're, they're not going to point to that specifically. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, well, you know, between the hijinks and the singing and the musical numbers and, uh, you know, and all of that, they're not going to say that's what they set out to do. Right. Um, but it's just you're in that season. But yeah, so there's your brain's just, kind of wired that way. There's there's hope and and I think that you know, and I maybe I'm getting too psychologically analytical here, but you know, and I think that the season is is one that is a, a message of hope. And yet when people don't feel hopeful, that's when you know, they you know, the depression side of the season sets mm-hmm. in, you know. Right. And I think it's I I what I really appreciate about these movies overall is is that they do a, an incredible job of relating to people, and they you can sit and watch a movie like from from Elf to White Christmas to Home Alone to Christmas Vacation, and there are moments in each of them that really pull on your heartstrings and and go, it's going to be okay. Like there's. There's hope here. Yeah, right, we can right. laugh. We can we can laugh at the Christmas lights. We can laugh at the neighbors. We can laugh at our family, and you know we can laugh at Joe Pesci getting a, a pan in the <laughs> right, face. You yeah. know, I mean, it, you know, or shovel or whatever. But there's still that that underlying message of of hope and and community that comes around that, and that's what we need. Yeah, we need more of that. Yeah, we. I mean, nobody listening is going to argue that we don't need more hope in this world. So, and it's good. and it's fun that that we get to be able to deliver that. Not we personally, though. We're in that space, and we love doing that. And that's part of the reason why we love doing that and telling those stories is is that we can we can transform the culture around us and bring bring that message of hope and in a fun, entertaining way that, that helps pull people out of the hopelessness or the despair. Yeah. That's a good word to use there. Transforming. I think, I think when I watch these movies, I'm transformed into a different, a different feeling, a different time, a different, you know, mind space. And, um, I think that's what makes Christmas movies just so kind of powerful that a lot of other movies maybe don't, maybe don't do as well or, um, do the same way. And so, yeah, mine, you know, um, I think I'll kind of blend into that, you know, home alone and, and, uh, and a Christmas vacation and uh white Christmas. Um, they all, yeah, they have that, that same transformation of putting you in a, a certain mindset and, um, being hopeful, even though some things might happen that aren't, aren't great. And, um, then also having a lot of fun. So, um, the other two movies that I had on my list, um, that we're not going to get too deep into, but w- one of them's gremlins. I think it's, Oh yeah. It's an awesome, That's a fun one. Awesome movie that takes place during Christmas that I think fun um, and scary. I was terrified yeah. of the, yeah. the evil gremlins when I was, when oh, that man. first came out. They're, they're great. Um, <laughs> I, I love gremlins. I think it's an amazing movie. Yeah. But um, Gremlins, and then um, the last one would be uh, the age-old question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? 
Yes. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> uh, one movie that I did want to talk about that is not on the list, but I do want to talk about it because I can't recommend it enough. Um, so if you can if you can find it somewhere, iTunes or Amazon or wherever you can, um, go and check it out. It's called Krampus. Oh, I've heard of this. Okay. So Krampus is a, uh, it's basically a horror movie. Um, more suspenseful than, than like gory or anything, but, um, it goes off of the old, is it German or Norwegian or something? Some, some European culture of the story of Krampus, where he's basically the bad Santa that if you've done something bad, he, he leaves a bell, um, in your room or your house. And then he comes and gets you at a certain time. And and then you're, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's Scandinavian. Scandinavian probably. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, this movie's great. It came out a couple years ago. Um, it has Adam Scott in it, who is from uh, Parks and Rec, hmm. and a bunch of other movies and stuff that you you'd recognize him in too. And you would you would see him and be like, "This is a weird movie for him to be in." But um, I can't recommend this movie enough. I think it's a lot of fun, and it's creepy, and the um, <laughs> the monster design is great, um, and the atmosphere is spooky, and it um, it surprisingly even though it's like a horror movie it still it puts you in the winter december christmas kind of spirit just mm-hmm. because of where it is and it, it's in like illinois or something you know where it takes place and um or north dakota or something someplace where a bunch of um, scandinavian, scandinavian people yeah, yeah migrated to minnesota you know, 100 years ago yeah maybe something <laughs> like that but um so that anyways the director of this though he's going on to do now the next godzilla movie Oh, that's coming out next summer. Uh huh. Um, which stars the uh, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, and uh, there's a bunch of other people in that movie too. But um, which they just dropped a new trailer for that Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, last I saw that. Week yep. or two weeks ago. That but looks good. It looks awesome. So, um, but yeah, Krampus. Go check it out. However you can. Um, <laughs> if you like, Christmas just took a turn. Yeah. for the scary. He <laughs> likes if you like spooky and you like Christmas. Uh, this this is the movie for you. But. Um, Eric, what else do you have for your Christmas list? I think, okay, so Elf and then all the classic claymations, um, I, I would agree with you, Home Alone. But one that really resonated with me, even as a, as a young boy, was It's a Wonderful Life. Now, this is a nod back to old Hollywood. It was made in 1946. Um, Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Right, yeah. So there's some cheese for sure. You know, if, but um, oh, I'm totally drawing a blank right now. Um, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. And, the, and so Jimmy Stewart plays this businessman that's kind of frustrated. You know, he took out a loan for, I forget, it was the house, the business or whatever, and it didn't go well. And so he's got all this debt and he's kind of downtrodden and despaired and, you know, questioning his existence. And... And, you know, an angel comes to visit him and it's set, you know, kind of in winter time and that type of thing and, and kind of shows him, um, you know, what life would have been like if he had not existed. And so, you know, it was this very powerful kind of pre-Scrooge, you know, Scrooge gets right. legs from it, this. And it kicks off with the Great Depression, right? Because he goes to try and get money out and there is no money. Right. I mean, it's 1946. So, you know, think about the setting of what was happening, you know, in this new, industri- you know, the Industrial Revolution, you know, is happening. You know, we're coming out of out of World War II. 
Um, actually, probably midst World War II at that point. 46 would have been over. The movie takes place in 46 or it was made in 46? Um, it was released in 46. Okay, so I think it takes so, place in the 30s, though, because it's for yeah. the Great Depression, yeah. which would have been 35, I think. I can't remember. Yeah, but, yeah there was a Because World War II is actually what brought us out of the Great Depression. Yeah, well, we didn't get into World War II until 1944. Four. After D-Day, yep. Yeah, so... A little history lesson for you guys. Right. But I think the just, that'll be on our other podcast, it's just an the easy history podcast, right? And we're going to talk about Pearl Harbor, yeah, which was a great cinematic experience. Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor. All right, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, at the time, at the time it was released. Okay, you've got some attitude roll, eye roll. We got some eye roll from Zach over here. Anyway, um, it's a wonderful life, great message, and it's just it's it's a nod again to old Hollywood when. I mean, they they told great stories back then. Yeah, they made it more about the people and less about yeah. like what's happening or like uh, I guess ex, you know the explosions and the, and the right. action. I mean, you didn't like have that. all the CGI that you have right. today. They didn't yeah. have all this technology, so you know. Not that there's anything always wrong with that, but you you were they were a lot more limited back then, and they relied more on the acting and the writing yeah. and the story and. You know, even from a camera technology, they didn't have, I mean, you know, you're talking about these old film cameras. That were really loud and and lights were really hot. And and to see what they produced was, I mean, there's, again, there's a bit of nostalgia that goes into that. But, I mean, the message of, of hope out of that is like, no, your life means something. Yeah. And... And and especially in this day and age, I mean, tying these old timeless stories and timeless movies and these classics to what's going on in this day and age, I think is important so that we can get a whole new, you know, um, appreciation. You know, new new filmmakers may have never seen these because they were before their time. Yeah. Um, and it's important, I think, to point people back to these, you know, to like, Citizen Kane and 12 Angry Men and these amazing cin- cinematic yeah. experiences from, you know, classic Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, the and, AFI Top 100 is there for a reason. Yes, and you know, pull go, from go that. through it. Let's, let's, and I think there's some, you know, we probably have a bunch of episodes to talk about some of those things. But since we're talking about Christmas and It's Wonderful Life is probably one of my top five because, again, the hope and the meaning that it brings. Um, Jimmy Stewart does a lot of comedic type of movies back in his day, but this was a very more, I mean, he has his comedic moments in this, but it's, you know, more dramatic Yeah, and, and does a great job. Right. And I think it's actually what led him into doing some of the Hitchcock stuff, um, after the fact in the fifties and, uh, you know, rear window and, and, right. and, uh, opening vert- vertigo and everything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie is so classic. Um, there's so many, it's just so much like iconic imagery mm-hmm. in it. I always immediately think of the last shot of it, which is, you know, him holding his daughter and his wife is next to, I think it's his wife. It might be like his coworker or something is standing next to him. And, you know, they're holding the bell or they're looking at the tree. I can't remember exactly, but like right. it, there's so much of it that um, you remember vividly mm-hmm. from this movie. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, this time of year is a time of reflection, right? I mean, I'm reflecting back on 2018. What what were some of the highlights and what were some of the low points in, in 2018 that I can learn from? Because I want my 2019 to be even better. And, and 
And I think this time of year does that. Like, you know, it's a, it's a time of reflection. It's a time of appreciation. It's a time to slow down, soak in quality time with the people that you care about the most, friends and family, and want to, you know, want to hang out with and, and just be together and have that community and, and appreciate what, what we all have. Yeah. So, and this is a great movie for that. I mean, this, you know, you know, I was kind of going to one of the things that this culture in, in our current day is struggling with is, you know, suicide. There's the, the suicide rates are up. There's a lack of hope. There's a lack of meaning. There's, a, you know, for a lot of people. And, you know, you we can point back to these classics and go, no, there there is. And sometimes we just need a, sometimes a movie can be that friend that you need yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And to help you shift your perspective. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's why we were filmmakers and that's why we like yeah, doing what no, we I do. No, I agree. I mean, there, you, as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of like three movies that I can watch and they'll, they'll, they'll be my friends, you know, mm-hmm. and back to the future is one of them. And, um, it, it's movies that, yeah, they, they put you in a different mood. They put you in a better mood. Um, or sometimes you, you want to be, you want to let out that sad mood. Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's a movie that you can connect with. There's, there's a song that you can connect with on that. And, just lets you, you know, cry it out if you need to. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, I, I think that's such a big part of, of these movies is these, these aren't really like popcorn flicks. They're not, right. none of these movies are really, um, well maybe home alone, but, um, all of these movies, they end with a feeling, you know, they don't end with some giant explosion and then like a thumbs up. You know, right. there's, there's something, they're all character driven. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a character driven moment to all of these that, um, they really hit home, I think in a lot of ways and you, you're able to connect to them a, yeah. lot, a lot more. Yeah. They definitely pluck the heartstrings of the human condition. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's why they're, they're classics. That's why they resonate so well. And that's why they do well in the box office. Mm-hmm. I mean, Let's let's be honest. I mean, the studio is trying to come up with these formulas to to have these box office successes, but it's the movie that people relate to. It's the movie that shares in your human condition that is the one that's going to do well. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 no formula beyond that. I mean, you look at okay, we're Marvel geeks, and I'm going to bring up Marvel, so apologize. We couldn't have went one episode. We couldn't have went, <laughs> but. It's the human condition. It's the human condition in these characters that we resonate with. That Only we one identify. of them is a human, but the human attributes of all the characters. Yeah, right. I mean, it's the thing is, is that yeah, they're not human in as far as the storyline goes. Yeah, but it's the but, traits. Yeah, you you resonate with Thor losing his entire home and mm-hmm. his family and mm-hmm. um, seeing his brother die in front of him. And uh, spoilers for Infinity War and Ragnarok. Sorry. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, even though these are superheroes, um, they're relatable. And I think that, oh my gosh, I'm getting into it again. <laughs> but that's something that the um, the current stack of DC movies um, doesn't have is that is that relatability. That's something that I think that's even in the Marvel comics that I think Marvel's always done better. Um, it had realistic, um, I mean, that's the reason why X-Men, X-Men are so huge. Um, they were a metaphor for um, different people, right? You know, um, people that 
had disabilities that were looked at differently, or they, um, they had a different sexual orientation or they were black or they were Asian or, um, you know, anything like that. And so the X-Men was a, um, fantastical metaphor, um, for that. And right. I think that's what resonated so well with people is because there's a ton of different people out there. And you wanted to celebrate the differences, right. not, yeah, not shun them. Exactly. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to to consider when you're writing those movies is you want you want your viewer to connect with that character. Um, I, I I don't I mean this isn't an an end all be all uh, uh, note. I, I, there's there's certain moments where you do not want your character to connect with the audience. Sure. Where you do want them to be distant. And that's intentional. And that's an intentional yeah. thing, right? Um, but I you know I think if you want like. Blade Runner 2049, which you haven't seen. Um, and I'm I've, really, I've seen, I've seen two thirds of it. Oh, well, the only reason why I didn't watch the whole thing is because I started it at like midnight. Oh, well, that's yeah, like three hours long. Yeah. Um, and I started falling, not because of anything in the movie, but I, because yeah, physically it was, it was 2am when I started nodding off. Yeah. Uh, My fault. well then I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into it then. Um, go ahead. No, you, I, I don't want to spoil it. You, dude. It's too late. It's too late. Okay. So if I hadn't seen it by now, it's my fault. It's your fault because it's a freaking masterpiece. Exactly. Um, anyway, spoilers coming in for Blade Runner 2049. Um, you're, you're with, um, what is that actor's name? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. You're with Ryan Gosling's character the whole time. Um, I think it's K. I think it's his name because it stands for like K2409 or something like that. And, uh, which he's the offspring of, I just spoiled it, didn't I? Well, I'm already in spoilers. We are. We, but at the same time, I'm about to spoil your spoil because he's not. Oh, he isn't? No. So, but that's what I'm getting at is you, you're you on this you journey get that idea. with him. You get the idea and, for a minute. Right. And you yeah. connect with him and then he, he, he has this emotional breakdown when he's talking. Have you gotten to the point where he talks to the girl on the other glass, that one that designs yes. brains or whatever? Mm-hmm. And he like freaks out and he starts yelling and stuff. So there you have that connectional, that emotional connection moment there. And then you find out that he's not the offspring. And then he also dies at the end. And so he's not a replicant. He is a replicant. Okay. But he's not the offspring of, he's just a replicant. Okay. So he's not the offspring of uh, uh, Rebecca. Yeah. 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 The original. And and, uh, Decker. Yeah. But, uh, but what I'm trying to get, I think, I think it's probably been lost now. My point that I was trying to make, but the point I was trying to make was that you, you're connected to this character who's supposed to be a robot through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And you have this, this emotional connection with it. Um, and you're supposed to feel that you're supposed to feel that emotional connection. And it's not cold like a robot would be or an Android, right. however you want to categorize it. And, um, so then when those, when those two moments happen where you're, you're with him and you think, Oh man, he is the offspring. Mm-hmm it hits even harder when you realize, Oh, he's not, he's not the offspring. And then oh, I'm seriously bummed right now. Hey man, <laughs> you said you didn't care. I, I didn't care, but I'm bummed. Yeah. I'm like, nah, yeah. but now I'm motivated to go finish it. No, it's, it's great. I've watched a lot of behind the scenes and making of type stuff. So I, I, it's one of the best films in yeah. the last 10 years. Yeah. So, um, check it out though and finish it. Um, but get back to Christmas movies. Yeah, I mean, all, all of these that we've talked about, they have a heart. They have they have a heart to them. They mm-hmm. have a hope to them, and uh, they keep you warm. And they really, um, at least for for me, and I think you, um, kind of put us in a, in a certain mood. 
yeah. you know, especially around the Christmas. I wouldn't, yep. it's not a movie you could, I, I could not watch Home Alone in, in June. No. You know, it just doesn't no, work. You're not going to pour a cup of hot chocolate no. right. in June. Especially in the desert. Right. Here. I'm going to pour one now. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps up That's us talking right. about. Do you have any do you have any other movies that you want to recommend? Christmas no, movies? I think I think those are, for me, those are the top ones yeah. that really resonated with me. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, a Christmas story, but yeah. um, I'm kind of burnt out on it a little bit. They There's some channel that plays it 24 hours straight on Christmas day. And so it seems like it's always on <laughs> um, whenever I, whenever I go and do my Christmas stuff that day. So I'm just like, I'm kind of over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's tired. A little too saturated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, obviously that's a classic for a lot of people. Um, I think, I think what works for, well for that movie is that it's kind of, it's a movie made in the eighties, I think. Um, but it's taking place in the fifties. So you have a nostalgia factor even there, um, you know, an eighties nostalgia to the fifties. And I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. You know, you get a lot of the, um, the callbacks and stuff to that time that you, of what a lot of people consider a more family friendly, friendly era, um, in a lot of ways. I don't know if I totally agree with, but um, yeah, so Christmas story is one of them, obviously. Um, but yeah, my list, uh, just to recap would be home alone, uh, Christmas story. No, not sorry. Home alone, Christmas vacation, uh, white Christmas gremlins and Die Hard. Yes. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, Eric's got elf, uh, not miracle. 44 Street. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Of course, Miracle on 34th Street is a good. Miracle, yeah. Well. Miracle on 34th Street is great too. Honorable uh, mention. And then what was, what was your third one? Well, oh, the classic, classic cl- claymations. Yeah, the classic right. claymations. Yeah. Which, which I have on Blu-ray now. Yeah. So um, well, they look great, actually. You they know, do. They were just shot on f- actual film back then. So mm-hmm. the scan looks great. But um, guys, if you have anything that maybe we missed or if you disagree with Die Hard being a Christmas movie, um, you can tweet your Die Hard is in the Christmas movie to I don't care because it is at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> And, uh, that would be emailing. It'd be emailing. Them. No, I want them to tweet at the email. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> because that's how little I care about your opinion. Um, because it is a Christmas movie. So, um, guys, that's. I think that's going to do it. That's for this week. I'm going to go home and, and sleep because I'm sick. Yippee um, kaye. Yippee kaye. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. We keep, uh, keeping it man. clean. <laughs> keeping it clean. Got to keep it a little clean. Uh, except for that uh, Christmas vacation quote that I said earlier. But. All right, guys, we will see you in two weeks. We're going to take New Year's weekend off. And then uh, our first episode back is going to be our 2018 retrospect episode, talking about the best movies we watched in 2018. Yep. Best TV, best, actually, you know, best media. Yeah, best film across platforms. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I don't even think it has to be just movies. So, nope. uh, anything that we liked in 2018, we're going to talk about. So, we will see you then, guys. Have a great holiday and uh, catch you next time. Happy holidays, and we'll see you then.